the Milwaukee Bucks selected in the first round Marjan Bochamp, a guard out of the G League. And then, as you heard on that sports splash by our sports director, Zach Heilprin, they also traded for the rights for a second-round pick later in the draft. Good morning, Ben. <clears throat> Good morning. Uh, you mentioned how Ebo's on vacation. He does always find his vacations around the times we have short weeks anyway, around a long weekend, because next weekend's 4th of July. Many are asking if he's trying to just, you know, ooze as much out of it as he can. I can't wait to take vacation. Mm. I'm gr- I might take vacation and just never reappear. I don't know what you want me to say to that. That'd be pretty damn sad. Um, but yeah, back to the back to the Milwaukee Bucks. So in this draft, Ben, did you actually watch the draft or did you kind of have it on as like background noise? Uh, neither. I didn't watch it. Didn't have it on as background noise. Man, the NBA draft is something that I always will just read about. I will find the article. I will see who went where because all the trades that happen are so dumb. And the way that they, the way Woj describes the trades is horrible. A lot of people blowing up on Twitter about it. It's impossible to follow. I didn't even know they were because I frankly, I wasn't on Twitter because I was I obviously I did this show yesterday. I was here for Bill's show and then Zach and Heilprin and I had our show last night. I didn't get home until around eight o'clock. I was exhausted. I made dinner. I, I turned on the Phillies to put me to sleep and then I went to sleep. I don't want to waste my time watching the draft. I could have like I just read about it in the morning. Uh, I did try to flash onto it when Johnny Davis was going to get selected, but they were in commercial. So I uh, classic. So yeah, I neither, but uh, I honestly was asleep by the time the bucks made their pick. But since I have done some reading and I, I've learned about him cause I mean, none of us have heard of him before. You don't know who Bochamp is. You, you didn't know who he was coming into this. Even my NBA, uh, NBA centric, like basketball loving former colleague and good friend Asher Lowe didn't know who this guy was. Like he is a college basketball nut, loves the NBA, loves the NBA draft. He's going to the summer league to cover it. And he I like he had heard of his name, but he could not like explain his game to me. Well <laughs> obviously he's not a JUCO college basketball nut. I, where where Bochamp played for what is it one season? But yeah, I mean he's pretty lesser known. I, I watched the NBA draft, Ben, but I didn't realize because I, I had watched the NBA draft in the past. Is it just me? Did I just wake wake up to real life, or did all of a sudden the NBA draft get super long too? It's long, yeah, because I. Uh, I remember sitting down, say, a decade ago, and you could watch it all easily in one night. All of a sudden, it was 10 o'clock, and they were just starting the second round. Yeah, I think it might be because they start it later, and I don't know that for sure. I can tell you, though, I have not sat down and watched an NBA draft in at least 12 years. Maybe the first couple picks I'll turn it on for, but I have not gotten through the first round since I was like nine. I was watching very closely for the first 10 picks. And then once Johnny Davis was selected by the Washington Wizards last night at 10 overall, then I definitely kind of put it on as like the background noise. I, I always made sure to check in 
make sure, oh, the Bucks are up in 10 picks or the Bucks are up in five picks and then pay attention when they got closer and closer. But yeah, I would say that I've, I focused in on it for the first 10 picks, but once Johnny Davis came off the board, it was kind of just make sure that the Bucks were coming up here soon. By the way, can we talk about Johnny Davis's outfit? Like, since when did he play for Alabama? Well, see, that was the thing, Ben. We were texting last night, and I was like, we got to talk about some of these outfits that guys wear these days. Because obviously in the NFL draft and, and now in the NBA draft, they like to look flashy. Chad Holmgren had dice around his neck, uh, a three and a four, because his number's 34, but they add to seven, which was his number when he won gold with the U.S. during the uh, U19 team, which or uh, that Johnny Davis was on. And then he had dice because he bets on himself, even Chet, though he's 7-2. <laughs> Chet Holmgren won an award for me last night, and it was probably weirdest looking parents. <laughs> I mean, look, I, the dude's 7-2. What do you expect? I, I don't even know how to describe his dad. Obviously tall and, and skinny, and it, if I remember correctly, he had kind of like a bun or a ponytail. And then his mom looked like... This is how I described his mom. She looked like she would be a librarian that was also into birds. <laughs> <laughs> and I, his dad is the guy that is at all of his games with the with the old recorder, the old <laughs> the old camera, which is sick, by the way. We need more of those. Like 2008 dunk contest, you know that gift that goes around with Shaq and the camcorder. Like we need more of those camcorders in our lives. Uh, I mean, to address the elephant in the room, if you want to talk about family members that were at the draft, I, I did see the the uh, circling comments about uh, Christian Brown's close relative. Christian Brown, where did he? I don't think I, I see. That must have been one where I was kind of out. I don't think I saw this. Inform me. Uh, there there is a good looking member of his family. Uh, so I've heard. I wasn't watching. The oh, draft. so you're talking kind of like uh, Dyson Daniels' mother as well. Yeah, she made the she made the rounds on social media when he was drafted eighth overall by the Pelicans. Christian Brown uh, went number twenty one to the Nuggets right before the Bucks. And again, as I said, entering the draft, I'm out on him because it's spelled Christian Braun B R A U N, but it's pronounced Brown. Questionable. Strange. Yeah. But yeah, Marjan Beauchamp. I don't know. Man. Another another thing that I had just like I kind of scratched my head and I just go, why do they do this? But it was when the first overall pick. Oh, my God. I know. Paulo Benchero. Say. He gets selected. They're interviewing him and his mom. Kind of like the normal thing to do. And then what do they have to do? They had to flash up a little video message of Coach K wishing him best of luck. It's always about Coach K. And once you come to accept this, it'll make life a lot easier. I, I was I, I'm a very I'm very calm today. I wasn't gonna get worked up. But to again, not only does he take all of his players moment when they're going to the final four by making it about his retirement, but now Paulo Bancaro, his player, just got taken one overall. Now Coach K <laughs> needs to insert himself into that moment, not to mention you had A.J. Griffin, and uh, you had two more Duke Blue Devils go later. I forget exactly. Uh, well, you had Wendell Moore go number 26. You had A.J. Griffin go number 16. And you had Mark Williams go number 15. They didn't get any videos. Where were the videos for them, Coach K? What are we doing here, man? Yeah, and I, I also saw the, the stat where it was like three Duke players selected in the first round tied like an all-time thing for Duke players selected in the first round. Now... 
A lot of Big Ten flavor here in this draft, especially in the first round. Keegan Murray out of Iowa went four to the Sacramento Kings. Jaden Ivey out of Purdue went five to the Detroit Pistons. Saw a lot of people loving the Detroit Pistons draft. Yeah. I mean, it, it was impressive from what I know. And, and again, I, I am a big, crazy college basketball fan. I do not do as much of the college basketball to NBA draft uh, process stuff and where guys go. But yeah, it looked like they had a really good day. I mean, three Big Ten players in the top ten. Obviously, the two I just named and then Johnny Davis, clearly out of Wisconsin, number ten. And you even just scroll down in the later first round. You had Malachi Branham, Ohio State. Yeah. I, you know, I watched him last year. Didn't really impress me that much. Four guys, though, for the Big Ten in the top 20. Yeah, it's it's impressive. And, I mean, this just brings up the whole thing. Everybody, whenever the Big Ten loses in March, which often happens earlier than you would expect, everybody always rushes to say, how hey, look, the conference is overrated. Everyone just pumps them up during the regular season, and they're really not that good. When in reality, I mean, the Big Ten had some absolute dogs this year. And yes, a lot of the teams let everyone down when it came to March. But I think so much of that is they beat the hell out of each other during the regular season. Like Johnny Davis had gone through the ringer to then have to go and make a big March run. So I, I think last night was a little bit of validation for the fact that the Big Ten was that good and these players are that good. So the idiots that always say the Big Ten sucks can, you know. Yeah, away. and then if you look, even look at the second round, there was plenty of Big Ten players selected in the second round, too. I think this was a pretty nice year overall when it comes to the draft for Big Ten just in general. I mean, you had a decent amount of players selected, and normally we're told that the Big Ten is slow, it's physical, it's it's kind of old, left-in-the-past basketball. But, yeah, they had a nice showing. And then staying in the Big Ten footprint – and talking about the state of Wisconsin, obviously, we've mentioned Johnny Davis going 10 to the Washington Wizards. Obviously, he's a Wisconsin Badger. He's a Wisconsin guy. But staying in the state, Patrick Baldwin Jr. goes 28th to the Golden State Warriors playing out of Milwaukee. That's one of those, like, obviously, they're going to get a guy like that that had been injured and, you know, the team didn't have much success really highly touted recruit. He's going to go to golden state and just become an absolute stud. Yeah. He'll sit on the bench for a year and then all of a sudden he'll get a little playing time time in year two. And then by year three, he'll be solid. Yeah. Like I don't get how the warriors are a team. Well, clearly I, they must have a really good front office. Well, it's front office. I think it's definitely the head coach and the culture he's built, but I think it's also the players. I mean, if Jordan Poole doesn't play with Steph Curry, does he become that good? I would say definitely not. I think it's the presence of all that greatness, but also uh, greatness that you can gravitate towards too, if that makes sense, in terms of Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green. One, one of the other footnotes I thought that was kind of funny when I had the draft on, and they're going through some of the names and where they're getting drafted from. All of a sudden, it's the Miami Heat's at the selection at the end of the first round. Nikola Jokic? It's like almost the exact same as the Joker, the MVP. I, I had to take a double take because at first when they flashed it on Nikola the screen. Nikola Jovic. Yeah, I thought it, that they were drafting the guy that plays for the Nuggets that won two MVPs. And I'm like, wait, what? Because when they, when they first said it, I think it was Jay Billis. He went, yeah, Nikola Jokic 
was selected by the Heat, and then he goes, oh, oh, uh, never mind. Uh, that's not who they drafted. But that would be a pretty solid pick. Yeah. I, I, was, I can't tell you much about him other than he's Serbian. I was fast asleep by that point. Uh, are there any burning takes today about Hugo Besson, the French guy the Bucks got with the last pick of the draft? Will we? I, I think Here's this is, my burning question about him. This is a fair, Who is he? Well, this is a fair game to play. Will we see him before or after the year 2026? I can't even answer it. I don't I don't I honestly don't know who the guy is unless you click on his profile and read about him. Like I have no idea who this guy is. I will do the old tradition of reading a blurb and pretending they're my thoughts. Uh, they he is a 21-year-old. He is 6 foot 6 and he's a shooting threat. He can catch and shoot. So his game could translate to the NBA in that way. Well, he was the very last selection in the NBA draft last night, selected by the Indiana Pacers, then traded his rights to the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, don't know much about these guys. I mean, you just look at some of the names, especially in the second round and where they're from. Not only have I never heard of these guys, I don't even know if I can pronounce some of the places that they've come from. Well, like Connecticut? (laughs) No, like Yannick... (laughs) In Zusa Center, Unic Oh God, Unicala Malaga. Oh boy. <laughs> no idea. I guess it's in Spain. Yeah, Malaga is Spain. I'm trying to find the guy you're talking about. He was drafted in the second round, twenty fourth overall. How about Diabate from Michigan going number forty three as well? even though Juwan Howard tried his best to get him in a fight when he came here to Madison. Well, that's the thing. You look at some of the guys in the Big Ten that went in the second round. Caleb Houston, Michigan, like you just said. I don't really understand that, by the way. Like, why did he go to the league? You you named Mbate. Max Christie from Michigan State. I like him a lot. Bryce McGowan's Nebraska was a second rounder. EJ uh, Lydell, he was a a second rounder to, it looks like, the Pelicans here. I mean, there was a ton of Big Ten flavor. I know we already mentioned that, but both in the first and second round, Big Ten had a nice showing. Yeah, I mean, and now the good thing is Wisconsin no longer has to face a lot of those names, namely EJ Liddell, who destroyed them, uh, namely a bunch of the guys up top. I mean, Keegan Murray's an absolute stud. The downside of all that is they also no longer have Johnny Davis, and we're going to see how that's going to look going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When you look at the roster for this uh, Wisconsin Badger team moving forward, we've talked about it, and obviously the transfer portal is relatively new in college basketball. But, man, I feel like they didn't have – they didn't do great work in the transfer portal, in my opinion. No. No, by by no means did they do great work. I don't want to go off talking about Wisconsin basketball. We just basically spent 20 minutes talking about the NBA draft. But when you're telling me you're grabbing recruits out of the portal from Green Bay, Wofford, and bringing in like one other recruit. I, they went after a lot of big time guys. None of it worked out. It, it, it wasn't a lack of trying to go get a big fish. They just couldn't do it going to go to our gambler of the stars dave how are we doing this morning we're doing okay so just giving you a heads up ebo is on vacation i think he's taking time to to catch some sun got it yeah i was listening i got you (laughs) 
So, so Dave, we had, we didn't have you on last week. It's it's been a week. Catch catch us up on uh, what you've been gambling on. I know all of a sudden NBA season has come and gone, and it's kind of just baseball. Have you gotten in the swing of baseball yet? Yeah, actually, I had until last night when the uh, I had the Astros over the Yankees, and Ooh. Uh, that was a painful beat. But, That's not good. You know, it's it's variance because the other night I had. I had it over, and it was uh, two to one in the seventh, and it ended up seven to six in the eleventh. So, you know, <laughs> mentally you got to deal with those things. Um, you've had been on the swings for the most part. I feel like in baseball this year, I've come up on the wrong side of about every single finish where it's a it's a cool finish. But I'm also starting to kind of think Ebo might kind of be my bad luck. He's always the one that's trying to be upbeat and positive. He's like, hey, you're, you'll get hot. We're, we're just want to win away. And then it'll be like, oh, another another bad beat. But he, since he has left, Dave, we are 5-0. and oh. Nice. So so it's been a nice t- a nice little turnaround on the show. Now, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let him know that maybe he needs to stay away longer so we can continue to stay hot. But, Dave, looking at the major well, league. You, you give that out early in the morning. Just have him come in an hour late. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you mind if you start at 7? I'm sure he'd actually take us up on that one. He probably would. Well, that would mean be- I would have to be here at 6, and I, I think I'd be out on that proposition. Yeah, I understand that, pal. <laughs> Trust me. Well, Dave, looking at the uh, the board today, I know there is – some NHL playoffs. I know we never really talked about hockey and betting, but besides that, anything you like uh, on the board tonight? Yeah, I mean, I took uh, Miami last night. I love Sandy Alcantara. I mean, he's got a whip under one, and it's it's a little dicey there because uh, Walker and Alcantara just faced each other the last week, so I'm also thinking that might be an over because the hitters will make adjustments. I like Boston in the first five. Boston rested yesterday. Cleveland didn't. Pavetta's been lights out, but I can't trust the Boston bullpen. Um, interesting line move in Milwaukee. Speaking of speaking of the Brewers, I mean the, the the early money, the early tickets, and everybody and their brother likes Milwaukee. I mean they opened at um, uh, Toronto opened minus one fifty. It's down to minus one thirty five. So uh, they are definitely. I and I can't disagree. Um, I think that. You know, it, I think they, they might be right that Toronto in the first five might be okay. Manoa's pretty solid, uh, but Toronto's bullpen is, is not solid. Uh, I, won't, I won't throw out any other adjectives then. I wouldn't trust them past the first five. See, that's a little surprising to me when you look at the Brewers, just because we, we are always following the Brewers so closely. Adrian Hauser on the mound for Milwaukee, I mean, he's a guy that last season was really good. He's been solid. He's been sturdy. But for the most part, nothing super special outside of last season. And if you look at what he's done this year, he's had probably seven serviceable starts that you would probably agree with. Uh, but four of them came in April. And then you look at it's the Blue Jays. All the public you would figure would be on the Blue Jays because of the names that are on that team. And like you said, Manoa is pretty good starter. I am a little surprised that money's coming in on the Brewers. Yeah, I, I am and I'm not. I mean, I, I think that they're calling the starters maybe a little bit of a wash. I mean, you know, admittedly, Hauser has been significantly better at home than he has on the road. But, I mean, his ERA is almost half uh, at home what it is on the road. But I, I really think that they're, they're, uh, 
they're betting against the Toronto bullpen more than they are on uh, Milwaukee. And I, I can't blame them for that. I mean, the Toronto bullpen has been, like, absolutely ad- abominable lately. I mean, they got an ERA over the last week of over seven and uh, uh, walks and hits per innings pitched of, of almost 1.8. So, you know, that's like 15 base runners. So unless Milwaukee goes super cold with runners in scoring position, I think they might be the sharp player as well. And, Dave, you mentioned that Mets-Marlins game. Uh, it looks like we're going head-to-head tonight because I gave out earlier this morning, I gave out the Mets at plus money against Alcantara. I thought that they looked decent, and I'd, I'd take the shot at the dog. Uh, other ones that I, I want your opinion on, because I, I gave out two this morning. The other one was the L.A. Dodgers on the money line. The Dodgers? Taking the Dodgers. Shock? Um, yeah, I mean, my only drawback there is the Braves are probably one of the best teams in the league against left-handed pitchers. And obviously, Urea is one of that. Urea is one of those. So uh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I tend to think maybe over if I could get nine. Um, that would be a four-four game equals a push. So you know, Anderson can go either way. I don't think the Dodgers have seen a lot of them, but the Dodgers are in a betting, better hitting posture against right-handed pitching. So you know, that's a tough call. Um, Actually, I now that I think about that, I, I will. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Dodgers, but I do get your get your over because, like you said, Braves are I think second best when it comes to hitting lefties, and Dodgers, yeah, they're number one I think against righties. Yeah, and interesting, like the 84 percent of the tickets and and 96 percent of the money are on Atlanta, and I get it. Atlanta's a tough out at home, um, but the Dodgers seem to be attracting a little bit of money, so you might be on the sharp side there, buddy. Dave Essler joining us at Dave underscore Essler on Twitter. Dave, I, I notice a good amount of golf chatter up on the Twitter account. I got to ask, do you have picks for this weekend at the Travelers? I do. I do. Um, I think uh, I got a few that I would rather not talk about. <laughs> but, uh, Why is that? You I think that you think you'll jinx them or that they are five <laughs> over through the first round like Jordan Spieth? Well, maybe not five, but you know, <laughs> more than I would like. I actually, I actually have Patrick Cantlay, and you know, he started off this morning um, firing at pins and not making putts, and now he's bogeyed. So, you know, I think, I think my my cool pick this week is I, I actually took Webb Simpson in a head-to-head and uh, top twenty. I, this was kind of a course for him, and you know, he's been been out of the radar, out of the spotlight for a little while. So that was kind of my shot in the dark. It looks like it's going to pay off. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. You guys, you guys were talking NBA and Johnny Davis and I didn't catch the beginning of it, but you know, he goes to Washington and Washington plays that up tempo, very little defense style. And uh, the Badgers don't, I mean, they're almost the complete opposite. You know, is, is that, is that an issue? You know, I think his game, because he is such a good defender, sound-wise, one-on-one, on-ball, off-ball, and he's so athletic and such a good rebounder, that I think he could fit into really any scheme. Like, they didn't play that way at Wisconsin. Yet, he, he did have enough of a motor to pretty much play every single minute for the team and have the offense run through him at every moment. 
So I don't know if adjusting to a different style is going to be a problem because if a guy can, he could score a little bit, he can hit free throws, he's a great defender, and he can rebound. So if he could do all that, I feel like he could fit in anywhere. Yeah, and I agree with Ben. I think uh, he's just too good of an athlete not to be able to do it. And when you look around the Wisconsin roster, there wasn't a ton of other athletes that were even close to him. Yeah, point taken. And I guess I should, I should, I should not question the Washington general manager. I'm sure he did his due diligence. Shame on me. Well, I mean, it, it is worth noting that their franchise is kind of a disaster overall. Uh, but I, I, I got to note before we let you go, I, I'm a big fan of Nick Hardy. He is. He's sitting at three under after the first round. Yeah, I, I do FanDuel every week, and he's my pick. He's that low, uh, low salary pick that I throw on the team. But I got him at plus uh, twelve thousand five hundred to to go make some magic happen. So, it, it, in case you see his name rising up, think of us. Um, well, he just teed off, and he is uh, in the fairway. All right, so um, it's a winner. On the toughest hole, so yeah, I think I think DraftKings is going to be writing you a big check. Yeah, one would hope. All right, Dave. So, Dave, real, real, real quick, we have a golf outing for the zone that we have scheduled August fifth. You're invited, open invite, if if you want to come up and play. But we were thinking maybe you could help us out with something. It's Ebo and myself versus Ben and our sports director Zach Heilprin in a little two v two scramble golf. Do you have any lines out, or do you think you could come up with a solid line on who would be favored in that one? Well, from what you've told me, uh, you guys would have to be underdogs. <laughs> I mean, the problem. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know your competition. So, um, so uh, I. That's my home course. Ebo's played it maybe two or three times, but doesn't. He probably plays about a handful of times a year. Ben goes out and plays pretty consistent golf, the most out of anyone. And our sports director says he's only picked up clubs twice in the last couple of years. But I feel like he can sandbag. It's a two-on-one. Yeah, it sounds like it might be. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to come down to who can handle the pressure the best. You know, who's who's been there before? Uh, not Ebo. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking. And, and, <laughs> You know, I think he might be more interested in sunning. So I, I got I to I make you guys slight underdogs, but that would be the value pick if you can contain Ebo. All right. Right on. Love it. All right, Dave. Appreciate it. Appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you next Friday. And, and I'm sure next next Friday you'll have a sunning comment about vacation and being out in the woods. Um, Ebo will probably beat me to the punch. Hey, you guys have a great weekend. <laughs> you too. See you, Dave. Bye. And there he is, our... That is our handicapper to the stars, Dave Essler. A little bit of everything in there, Ben, talking Major League Baseball, some golf. I know you're a big golf guy. Talking a little Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Now, last segment, we kind of covered how the Milwaukee Brewers earned a split with the St. Louis Cardinals. This one, we're going to focus more on all the injuries because as Brewer fans, we all know that the Milwaukee Brewers... They have not been able to stay healthy pretty much the entire season. Ben, I believe it's since the beginning of the year, the this Milwaukee Brewers team has collectively played a total of four games together where the entire roster was healthy. Is that not wild? It is, I. but I, when you think about the beginning of the year, though, it was just Arias that was down. 
So I still, although he's a big part of the team, I mean, I still kind of consider that group to have had good health. It's really once Freddie Peralta went down and the pitcher started to go, then you saw Adamas, then you saw Renfro, then you saw Wong. It's the recent slew that I really consider to be like the big ones. The one in the beginning of the year was, you know, eh, and the team obviously was winning. So speaking of Freddie Peralta and the pitchers, we'll we'll get right into some of the pitching injuries and some of the updates. So Freddie Peralta, like you mentioned, they moved him to the 60 day uh, IL not too long ago. He's got a right shoulder strain. Now the word on him is it was significant time, right, Ben? Well, according to the Brewers update, he has been playing catch recently. So that's that's our our good news on Freddie Peralta. He has been playing catch. I, I guess too. that's a start yeah. in the right direction. I too have been playing catch. <laughs> yeah, uh, not at least it's something, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, whatever. It's something. And then. Uh, Aaron Ashby. Aaron Ashby's a guy that left his last start with left form inflammation. It sounds like that's kind of what it is. He didn't think he was going to miss any time. This almost sounds like more or less the Milwaukee Brewers being a little bit more protective of a young arm. They didn't want him pushing it. They wanted to make sure he was 100%. Sounds like he'll probably only miss one start. Looking more and more like Aaron Ashby should be ready to go for his next start. That would make a lot of sense. The reasoning you just gave. And I mean, his presence will be needed. I also do want to note that. I mean, he sits at one and five on the year by no means has he been a wild success 4.25 ERA, but he is a guy that profiles as someone who could actually have the best yet to come. He's still striking. He was striking out 11 guys per nine. His FIP is in the 3.6s. So, yeah, I think his presence back in the rotation is going to be big. And I, if he can kind of fill what Eric Lauer is supposed to be doing but isn't, then there you go. There are scenarios here, Nelson, where, like, I've, I've championed the uh, thought of Brewers going to get another starting pitcher. I think that's where the resources should go if Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta and Ashby aren't able to return to full form. Ashby, I think, will. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to come along slowly as a young guy. In terms of Peralta, I don't think so, given the length of it and maybe the ramp-up time, and we'll just see the overall effectiveness and sharpness, one that you usually get throughout the season. Woodruff, I guess my confidence is rising, given the success of his rehab starts. And, I mean, the fact that he's, like, him himself, his track record is extensive enough where I... My mood on him is changing. So if Woodruff and I say all that to say, if Woodruff and Ashby can come back and pitch to the form that's better than the form they've been pitching this year, because neither have been good by any means, they've been okay. Then I think maybe the attitude around getting another arm could change. See, so Brandon Woodruff is that third starting pitcher from that six man rotation. The Brewers had started using this year. That went down. Now we did have a oh, little I thought bit you of were an saying update. he was the third ranked starting pitcher. Oh no, no, no! Behind Corbin Burns and Jason Alexander, he's the third pitcher mentioned here with major injuries in that starting rotation. But we do have some good news. So earlier this week, Brandon Woodruff made a start at Triple A Nashville, threw fifty-one pitches, looked all right, made it what just short of three innings. 
Now, last night, Woody tossed a game. Now, this is obviously lower A baseball, so it's it's not quite to the standards of Nashville, but he threw five innings, gave up just two hits, one walk, one run, struck out seven. Looks like Woody's trending in the right direction. Now, I think there was some scuttlebutt about maybe he would be able to make his next start. I feel like when you see this, this Woodruff injury is so strange to me because remember it was originally a high ankle sprain, but then Woodruff was quoted as saying, but it only hurts like when I'm pushing off and pitching, it doesn't hurt to walk around. It was like the weirdest high ankle sprain ever. And then it turned into, he was having circulation issues in his fingertips due to Raynaud syndrome. Everybody knows that when you sprain your ankle, then your fingers feel tingly. Yeah. That hasn't happened to you? Never. But weirdly enough, this is a big deal, especially with pitchers. Like, if this was like a guy that was playing DH or first base, you you probably wouldn't have as big an effect with this Raynaud syndrome. But, But the fact that it's numbness and lack of blood flow in his fingertips, that completely changes his off-speed pitches. He might be able to throw a fastball, but putting finger pressure and the different um, grips on these on these off-speed pitches is really going to change, um, one, how effective it is, and two, just having the feeling of it in your hand, it's going to change it. But it looks like good news for Brandon Woodruff, and if all of this continues, we might see him back in what? A week, maybe two weeks at the most. The uh, date I saw was June 29th in Tampa Bay. I was going to say, I I did see some people thinking he could make his next start. I personally wouldn't be surprised if the Brewers made him make a third uh, rehab start just because it's the Brewers way and make sure he's 100% healthy and feeling good. But yeah, you have to imagine you're getting Woody back here shortly. And like you said, hopefully he can look like the Brandon Woodruff of two years ago and not the all right pitcher that he had been this year. But just another list of more injuries for the Milwaukee Brewers. Trevor got he's a guy that came out of nowhere. By the way, I, I have something quick on Woodruff. I was going to come on and say that, you know, it's you should feel good about the strikeout numbers. The fact that. He is able to, in both of his rehab starts, really get the ball by hitters instead of just getting outs the other way. That's when effectiveness is really seen. But this umpire, I'm watching the highlights right now. This umpire in whatever league, the, the Northwoods League, this dude's strike zone is bigger than... and uh, what, what, What's the guy? Who's the guy that blew the call? Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez. This dude is a worse umpire than Angel Hernandez. So take those strikeout numbers with a grain of salt because he was giving him about six inches in every direction. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, it's, it, it was it's a good take. Leagues. I understand. It was a good take that, you know... Seven strikeouts through five. He struck out eight last time. That means that maybe he's he's getting back into form. The breaking ball looks good. But then I look at some of these strikeout calls, and they're ridiculous. So uh, take all that with a grain of salt. I He probably should have walked a couple more guys than he did. Back to the Brewers pitching injuries. Trevor Gott, I know it's a guy that you really liked, Ben. He kind of came out of nowhere. He was a guy that had pitched in parts of five seasons in the big leagues, but only in the majority of those years where he was in the major leagues was about a year, two years. He came out this season, looked phenomenal for the Brewers, kind of stepped in as that sixth inning guy out of the bullpen. 
slotting right in front of Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter, and even used as a setup man in some situations. He is on the IL with an hip impingement. He just earlier this week has been sent out on a minor league rehab assignment. So it's good to see yet another pitcher here that is finally out on a rehab assignment. And then when you talk about two guys that you haven't really heard much of in months, Gustave, this is a guy that has thrown really good innings for the Brewers for like the last two, three seasons. He was expected to miss six to eight weeks with a hamstring. They're not expecting to get him back until July at the earliest. I know that's only a week away, but they're thinking mid-July. And then another guy that has thrown some pretty good innings for the Milwaukee Brewers, it's Jake Cousins, Kirk Cousins' cousin. He was a guy that he, he looked pretty. He looked pretty good Man. for the Milwaukee Brewers last year, and then this year he just didn't look right. Like he was not throwing strikes. He was walking a ton of batters. wasn't as effective. And by about the third week of the season, he was on the IL. Now he did go back get a second opinion on his elbow. Looks like he's just going to need six to eight weeks of rehab. They're hoping to get him back sometime in July too. So at least. Just in general, it looks like you're close to getting Woody back. It looks like you're close to getting Gott back. And and that's also Aaron Ashby. It looks like he's going to make his next start. It looks like you're going to get three reinforcements coming back in the next week, week and a half, which should be a huge shot in the arm, pun intended, for this Milwaukee Brewers um, pitching staff. Now on the other side, Ben, Colton Wong, who's got the right calf strain, Looks like he's getting ready to come back. They're thinking he could be a weekend activation. Yeah, he could take his time. Mike Brasso, that's another guy where he has been uh, playing in minor league rehab assignment games. It looks like he's getting closer to being able to come back. He started that rehab assignment earlier this week. And then you just scroll down and... The Milwaukee Brewers, it looks like, should get the majority of these guys that have been missing for anywhere between months and a couple weeks. Looks like they should get a nice haul of players back here in the next couple weeks. And and hopefully the Milwaukee Brewers can take that and hit the ground running and, and continue to start to stack some wins. Because the month of June was tough, and it was tough just uh, teams-wise, who you're playing and how good they were record-wise. But... July, August, they're not as tough a month. And if this team can finally get healthy and these guys can come back and pitch well, hopefully you see the Brewers go on a little bit of a winning streak, Ben. Uh, the, Nelson, I can't get over this. The video's up on my Twitter, uh, at Ben Z. Kenny. It's just, I, I can't believe the umpire wouldn't even give the hitters a chance against Woodruff. Let us see what he really has. What are we doing here, man? Ben, you got to let it go. It's minor league baseball. They always get more off the corners than Major League. The strike zone's always bigger. And as bad as Angel Hernandez is, there are even people worse than him in the minors. Yeah, I. it's just, it's tough because I don't want to hear this. He struck out seven thing. I, I think there should be a big asterisk uh, on this performance, on everything he's done in the rehab start. I think you're going too far into this. <laughs> now you're now you're putting asterisks next to strikeouts. Hey, yeah, in in a rehab appearance against guys who will never sniff the big leagues. That's okay. Also, for the record, they helped him out a lot. There were some pitches that were th- four feet outside. There were yeah, his name's out. Brandon Woodruff, and he's pitching an A ball. <laughs> the guy, the people came for the show.
I don't know. I think the hitters wanted to keep his pitch count low. So they were like, yeah, whatever. I'll give you the strikeout. Hey, it's a good sign. Maybe he, he comes up and he draws Hernandez for his first start, and all of a sudden he's going to get those calls, and maybe he'll strike out 10. Her- Hernandez might be better. We're going to be bringing on here Grant Bills, the Wisco Sports Show, and obviously the guy with the famous NBA lounge. Grant Bills, good morning. Good morning. That's the best introduction that anybody could give me. If I'm known for one thing, I want to be known for that. Perfect. And of course, we have to bring you on because yesterday was the NBA draft. Obviously, the Bucks made a selection. Johnny Davis goes number 10 to the Washington Wizards. Grant, uh, the first things first, though. Yeah. This is a Wisconsin sports show. We're focused mm. on Brewers, Badgers, Packers, Bucks. We got to start with the. We got to start with the Bucks. Who the hell yeah. is Marjan Bochamp? Uh, you know what, you guys? I really thought I nailed the draft prep this year. I thought I did really good prep work, and I thought that they were going to take like one of the five guys that I had read a lot about. Uh, and Marjan Bochamp was not one. <laughs> Damn it. So I'm learning as we go, too. I had a buddy who texted me like weeks ago. Bochamp was his guy. And he was just having a nice Stop it. night. And he was kind Stop of Stop it. Does and, your and friend have a it. life? Uh, yeah. Uh, no. No. Which is why we're friends. Uh, we get along very well that way. But I last night I was kind of getting pissed at him. Like, okay, good for you, dude. But, like, I've been trying to work on this draft for... I'm not going to say weeks, but like a solid week or two. And this is one of the guys that I never really touched. The G League makes it kind of tricky. Like, I don't watch a ton of college basketball, but I watch enough to know most of these guys. The G League is just this whole other layer. But, I mean, really baseline explanation of who he is. I mean, he's a wing. He's a, he's a versatile wing, which if, if you can take nothing else away from a draft, it's hard to go wrong picking a wing. That's going to be your most valuable, versatile position. They're hard to come by in the league, and they're really, really important. So I guess just baseline, that's what the Bucks did, and real, I'll always be okay with that. Real quick, Grant, I don't think you're alone yeah. because both myself and Ben both had to text our NBA guys, and both of them were like, yeah, this is kind of – like the response I got was, he's a wing, can't shoot. Yeah, which is – a lot of guys who get drafted in the NBA. It's like, but if he learns to shoot, he can be a versatile wing who can play the four. Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, isn't that that kind of type? I thought, Ben, maybe I was looking into Ty Ty Washington a lot because mm-hmm. maybe I thought, well, it worked out really well for Tyrese Maxey, you know, a Kentucky point guard that was fine in college but wasn't like superstar high end for Kentucky, but look what he did in the NBA. So I thought, ooh, Ty Ty Washington fell. Maybe they go that route. Uh, no, they settle for the wing who may be able to add a shot, maybe not, but can defend. And again, wings are really valuable. My take was my initial take is that he is his ceiling is Bobby Portis. Everything I've read is that high motor rebounds, plays his ass off, and then not much on the offensive end. But the ceiling is maybe he'll give you the effort buckets and bring the juice that way. So maybe when Portis finally departs, this guy steps in. My other question is, and I know, I, I assume you do, do you have a burning take on Hugo Basson? Uh You know, the, the funny thing is, 
is I don't have a burning take on Hugo, Hugo Basson. My burning take is that the draft takes too long because I didn't watch. Thank you, Grant. I brought that up that at guy. six o'clock. <laughs> I said I didn't realize because yeah. I remember having it on in the past. Always is like background noise, right? Never like super focused yeah. on it like the NFL draft. But you'll be like, oh, you know, the, the top three to five players, those are big names that everyone's looking for. Okay, they went. <laughs> now let me check in and out of this draft until the, the Bucks pick. I never remember it taking that long. It was 10 o'clock and they were just starting the second round. Yeah. And I, I did watch as my main event last night and I was super amped on my show. Ben, I think heard moments of it last night. He was in there getting ready. To <laughs> I was laughing. I had nothing going on last night. I know for like the first time in three years, I had no commitment. I had a buddy call me as I was leaving work and I'm like, no, if he's going to ask me to hang out or do something. No, I refuse. I'm going home. I'm sitting down and I'm going to take it in. And we got to the end of the first round and I'm like, I don't really want to watch this any longer. I, I just heard Jay Billis too many times explain to Malika Andrews who the, like the next best available were. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, so no, I didn't even watch the second round. Uh, today, basically I'm going to learn about Bo Champ and that's all you're going to get from me on the show. We'll do the other guy, the Frenchie at, at a later date. <laughs> or maybe in five years when he finally comes to America. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I really didn't turn it on last night. I had no desire to, I tried to catch when Johnny Davis was going to get taken, but then it went in commercials and woes ruined the pick anyway. Uh, as as normal. Uh, my other question to you: There are a bunch of stuff that happened aside from what the Bucks did, aside from Johnny Davis. Do you think it was a little disrespectful that Coach K made a video for Paolo Bancaro, but not for Mark Williams, and not for AJ Griffin, and not for Wendell Moore? Do you think that was a little disrespectful from the former coach? Well, first of all, wait, Duke had the first overall pick and all of those first round guys. They must have won the national title last year, right? Like at least gone to the, the national title game. Like no way they would have lost North Carolina or something like that last year, right? With all, all that talent. I mean, come on. No, I dude. when, when coach K popped up on the screen after Paolo got picked, the first person I thought of was you, Ben, um, because it was coach K just doing a classic coach K, like just finding a way to be involved in something. Bill Self was there. Bill was at the draft. He wasn't really on screen except for shaking his guy's hands. Like, he was there to celebrate with him. That was nice. But Coach K is like, no, I got a, like, evil, uh, like, evil villain movie style, like, show up on screen with a recorded message to play for my guy. It was just oh, too much. Yeah, but he's, I thought of you, Ben. It made uh, me laugh. Coach K is too busy sitting in the office. He never gave up to the new head coach that's actually doing the job to, again, <laughs> as he leaked to John Rothstein, not show up at games because that's news we should care about. Yeah. Uh, I've had enough of Coach K, although, honestly, it did make me laugh when Powell got picked last night. By the way, you mentioned Woj. First of all, I hate that Woj tweets picks. I think it's despicable. He got got yesterday, dude. Yeah, I, I, the only reason you do it is to prove that you can do it. There's no utility. There's no one at home saying, come on, tweet the picks to save me time because I have other things to do. I need these extra two minutes in between picks to, I don't know, do laundry or cook dinner or whatever. Screw you, Woj. Like, we get it. You know people. You don't have to tip picks. But whatever. If you want to tweet it, fine. I muted Woj and I muted Shams yesterday because I didn't want spoilers. And then I sit down in the draft, and you're telling me ESPN's going to wheel out Woj to spoil the first pick, which would have been a huge surprise. Right? <laughs> this week, we thought it was Jabari Smith, maybe Chet. Palo to, to Orlando, just in a vacuum with no spoiler, would have been electric. But no, they had to wheel 
Woj's nerdy ass on the screen just to prove <laughs> that this awkward nerd of a guy like knows things. It's like, dude, no one cares. Stop ruining. Stop ruining the picks. Couple comments for you then, Grant. One, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and social media with blowback for not only Woj, because there was plenty of that, but like you said, with the Jay Billis and Kendrick Perkins, just the blowback of ESPN's coverage and the fact that that was the only place where you could watch the draft. You know, with the NFL draft, you have ESPN, you have NFL Network. That was the only spot for the NBA draft, and I didn't see many people that were impressed. And now the second point, since you said you carved out your entire night just to watch this NFL draft, if we got Woj, obviously we got Adam Silver, we got some of these media guys, I need to know, was there a Brian Windhorse sighting? Because then that that makes the night. You got them all. You got everyone. You checked all the boxes if Windhorse was there. Well, I don't get why. Well, okay, I get why maybe Wendy's not there or Zach Lowe isn't there because they're NBA writers, they're analysts. They're not supposed to be also draft gurus, right? Which I get is why Billis is there, but I don't I don't know if Billis is a big draft guy either. He's just a huge college guy, which he knows more than me, and most people don't get me wrong, but he's still not the perfect guy. I thought Kendrick Perkins is entertaining. I, I like him. He's rather common sense. I think he did give, at one point, an OG Ananobi comp for the weirdest player, which made no sense, but whatever. Like He had a couple of comments that were really weird. I thought... Malika Andrews did a really good job hosting. Thank God it wasn't Mike Greenberg. Like, that was just really refreshing. It was anybody but Greeny, so I enjoyed that. Um, it just – it kind of stinks because the draft goes forever, and it doesn't get more interesting as you go. So when you get to pick 26, and again, Malika turns to Jay and is like, hey, who are your best available? And Jay's like, well, let me read off the sheet that's also on the screen, so this isn't new. Like, that's just – that's kind of tough. And, and you're right. The NFL draft has – so many broadcasts that you can flip around. I did get a little stale. Maybe some more cameos. Bring me Wendy. Bring me Zach Lowe. Where was Legs? Where's Tim Legler? What, what was he up to last night? He couldn't be there. I just I don't know. It was a little it was a little light, I guess would be my my reaction. It wasn't bad, but it was, it was a little light. I need some more. So NBA guy Grant Bills joining us at Wisco Grant on Twitter. What were your thoughts about now Johnny Davis going to Washington? And I'll group that in also with what your Kings did in the top 10. What were your thoughts on some of the other picks up there? Uh, well, Johnny going to the Wizards is fine. Like, congrats to Johnny. That's awesome. Uh, I'm a little bummed because I don't really like the Wizards. I don't really find them that interesting. Um, and now I'll have to watch them, which kind of sucks. I was kind of hoping he would go to the Spurs so he could play with DeJounte Murray and there would be a, like a solid rolling physical big in Jakob Pertl to kind of help him out. And I still kind of like Lonnie Walker. So I, I think the Spurs. Philly guy, uh, Lonnie Walker, for the record. Yeah, Philly Philly guy, Lonnie Walker. He cut his hair. I'm not really a fan of that, but whatever. I'm, I'm getting used to it. Um, I was hoping San Antonio. I thought an Evan Flood, a uh, friend of show, uh, and friend of the Badgers sports here. I don't know if uh, you're, you're tight with him. Uh, he tweeted yesterday about Denver, and I don't know if he had any juice there or if he was just like, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll tweet kind of common sense information, but they'll tweet it in like the format of news. And I don't know if that's what Floody was, was doing. He's like, hey, they met with Denver. Watch Denver. They have extra picks. You know, I don't know if there's anything there. I thought it would have been interesting. Maybe the Nuggets jump up. And then Johnny slides in as this, six-man microwave score off the bench on a contending team once Jamal Murray is back and once Michael Porter Jr. is back. But that was kind of this interesting side pipe dream. Again, I don't know if there was anything actually there. The Kings, 
Dude, all I got to say, the team that picks behind the Kings every year has to be the most confident team in the draft. Like, I just would have taken Jaden Ivey. And, Ben, like, you guys, I know you both watch a ton of Big Ten college basketball. Like, it's not that I don't like Keegan Murray. He's fine. But I think if you're picking in the top four, you need to take someone with huge athletic upside. I think you need to swing big. And Keegan Murray's going to be a fine pro. He might be very good, but I think the superstar potential in Jaden Ivey was just too good to pass up. But then again, you drafted Davion Mitchell, who's like 28 years old last year. So God forbid you take another guard. I don't, I don't know. The Pistons are going to be awesome, though. That's another thing. Pistons are going to be so fun to watch. That's what Thanks I was going to gonna ask you, Grant. I, I'm not a big NBA yeah. guy, but my Twitter was blowing up with everyone saying, oh my gosh, look at what the Pistons have put together. And me thinking about the Pistons is like, man, I don't think the Pistons have been relevant since they had the Wallace brothers, Tayshawn Prince, Chauncey Billups. I yeah. feel like they've been garbage pretty much every year since then. Oh, they got Blake Griffin. You, you kidding? Blake Griffin <laughs> dunked on Brandon Knight. Or is that DeAndre Jordan? I think that was DeAndre Jordan. I also think Blake Griffin's on the Nets, but I don't know. So I'm not no, they had Blake Griffin. They did. They did. It was an era. It was, well, it was if we're Griffin talking era. about what Blake Griffin has done, I mean, he jumped over a car one time, too, and they called it a dunk contest. The Motor City. The Motor City. No wonder he ended up in Detroit. I had never even thought about that. Thank you, Nelson, for um for reminding me of that. Dude, the Pistons are going to be fun. Cade Cunningham is really good, and I don't think a lot of people – people don't know that, but it's easy when the number one pick – who's rather quiet, like he's not really a flashy guy. He goes to Detroit, and then we don't really talk about him for a whole year. So he now is going to play next to Jaden Ivey, who loved it, Purdue, cutting off the ball. Like, Jaden Ivey didn't need to have the ball. He was really active without it. So those two playing together is going to be fun. And I just, man, I'm excited that the Pistons might be interesting because the Eastern Conference, there's a couple teams at the bottom that have just been bad for so long. And we need some freshness. We need to shake up. Like, the NL Central right now sucks. I miss the Cubs. I weirdly miss the Cubs being good for the good same take. reason. Like, it needs some life. needs some juice. Thank you. I, I think Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, those guys being on Chicago, I miss those games. That gave the division some life. We had more excitement in the summer, and we lost that. So hopefully we get a little bit of that with the Pistons. Young, pesky Detroit team kind of trying the Bucks and some of these other Eastern contenders. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it's a good take. This kid, O'Neal Cruz on the Pirates, though, I think he could be one of those oh. new ones of, man, he is electric. I... I I don't know the best way to phrase this, so I'll just phrase it this way. Uh, a couple more do things it. before we let you go. What do you think about the uh, the Christian Brown pick and maybe some intangibles that he could bring to the league? <laughs> okay, two, two things on Christian Brown. Do you want to read the text I sent like, you last night? Uh, it's not that bad, is it? I don't know. This is your show. You can decide whether you want to read that or not. That's up okay, to you. Go ahead. No, no, no. The power's in your hands. Uh, I texted Ben. What did I say last night? Oh God! Is it, is Since it you guys are being numbers? girls about it, I'm going to come out and say it was probably something along the lines of, "Man, Christian Brown's mom's smoking hot." <laughs> uh, it, was, it was more specific than that. What did I say? No, it oh, was in that setting. Set. I don't see I how said, he succeeds. I said, "What a set on Mrs. Brown or Mrs. Brown." Wow! <laughs> and Ben said, "I'm not watching, but guys with hot moms are buff." Well, then, Ben, <laughs> let me tell you what. There's going to be a lot of busts from last night's draft because one of the things I wrote down, a lot of good-looking families. These these NBA stars come from from good-looking familial units with attractive women leading the way. And, See, uh, and it, that's just good. I, I think the league's in good hands. This just in, Ben's calling Luka Doncic a bust. 
I think the jury's still out on him. I think it's fair to wonder whether he has it to to go and and get this team over the hump. I think the jury's out on Luca. Yeah. Oh he, he hasn't lot, shown that dog. Moms, if we're gonna throw out other names, Dyson Daniels. I didn't write anything down about his mom, if that's what you're asking. Oh, no, that was another one that his mom went viral as, as well in the NBA draft. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, there were, um, there was like more than, more than, like basically every kid in the lottery was like, all right, I see you. Uh, hey, more mom. importantly, like, Grant, we were talking about Johnny Davis. No, no, hold on. Not everyone in the lottery. I said this to Ben at six o'clock. Chet Holmgren won weirdest family to me. The dad, I did, I don't know what was going on there, but mom struck me as like a a library, like a librarian, like Good, bird yeah. lady. Well, Grant's a bird can guy. I, I, I'll describe Chet Holmgren's mother exactly to you, Rowdy. You you set the table perfectly for this. I grew up in Menominee. I can tell you who Chet's mom is. Chet's mom is the professor at UW Stout. Her husband is also a professor. They're big into books. They speak a little quietly. They live on the road up on the hill where all the other professors live. And you see them at church uh, every Sunday, and they sit in the far right corner, which most people sit in the left corner. That's where my family always had. They sat in the right corner. Gray hair, sweater, beads, like that's 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 that. That's I could. I was totally picturing picturing his mom as like this like librarian or like I could see professor, mm-hmm. but for some reason mm-hmm. she also strikes me of somebody that likes to to watch birds and is into birds. Well, they go hand in hand, man, like intellectuals and, and a thirst for knowledge. We're into birds. You know, I, I consider my, I'm not a professor per se, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner like you gentlemen. And I, I think bird watching, uh, they go hand in hand with a lot of the, the upper tier intellectual activities like sports gambling and sports radio. I, I do think they go hand in hand. Yeah. Normally when I, uh, when I feel like I'm going to throw down a bet on say the Dodgers tonight, I'm thinking about, man, what's that sparrow looking like out there? But this just in yeah, did I- <laughs> Grant, Grant oh. Bill's huge government drone guy. Okay. I had, when was it? I think it was on, it was it on Bill's show. Earlier this week that David Monona called in and or somebody said birds aren't real. And I'm like, okay, if the government made birds, it's like the first thing they've done a good job at in so long because they made them pretty. They made them attractive. Like, we like watching them. This is the first thing our government has done right in so long. Yeah, birds are sweet. Grant, last thing before we let you go, Johnny Davis yeah. and, and the suit. Uh, a, a little Alabama colors, maybe? Some Alabama taste from him? What do you think? I like the monochrome. Uh, and off the top of my head, I don't remember having a big obnoxious chain around his neck, and I like that. I, I think we overdo the chains a little bit. Let's let's take it easy. Maybe make a first team all rookie, or, or maybe you know get some all star votes before you rock a huge chain like that. I like the monochrome. I like the little letter on the lapel. It was very smooth, very so- it lands softly on the eyes. It wasn't as flashy as some of the other guys, so I, I appreciate that. I didn't see his shoes. Um, so I can't comment on that, and I did not see a watch. But as far as the suit goes, I, I loved it. I liked it a lot. It was kind of Bama-ish, but then again, what do you want him to do? Wear a Bucky Badger-themed suit? Like, that's, that's tough. Yeah, I liked it. It was clean. All right, Grant. As always, appreciate it. You guys have a great weekend. And, Ben, travel safe back to Philly. Enjoy some time with your family. I really hope you didn't just ruin it, but I, we'll let you go on that. Uh, travel safe to Sun Prairie this weekend where I hear you're meeting some friends for golf. There you go. There you go. All right, Grant. Wisco Sports Show, 4 to 6. Everyone tune in. The great Grant Bills.